Hi everyone, I'm Miles. I hope you've been holding up okay during this pretty tough season. We will get through it eventually. It's easy, isn't it, when we're struggling a bit, to look at others and think that maybe they're not struggling, to look at their lives and think, wow, it's so much easier or better than ours. You see, whatever we're going through, negative comparison is always a temptation. And social media makes comparison all the more tempting. We're bombarded with everyone else's lifestyle and achievements 24-7, and we can often end up feeling pretty dull or unimpressive in comparison, whoever we are. And because of the, the pandemic, we're all spending much more time online and on social media. Last year, internet usage was up 60%, and McKinsey reckoned the world digitized the equivalent of about five years in just five months. And here in Malaysia, well, we spend more than three hours every day on social media. Now, I'm not saying social media is a bad thing. It can be a wonderful thing. But more time on social media often means more opportunities to slip into comparison. I think one of the other temptations of social media is self-promotion, to put ourselves out there and perhaps embellish or exaggerate a little to make our lives or ourselves or our selfies look that little bit more desirable or impressive although I'd have to use some deep fakes to rescue my selfies. We're all tempted to do it at times, and we're often given the advice to put our best foot forward. But Jesus seems to model a different way to live, one which is rooted in love and deep security, not deep fake, one where we're free to live honest, transparent lives and self-confident enough to seek to promote the well-being of others. Now, whilst the tool of these temptations, social media, might be relatively new, the, tempta the temptations themselves are not. And in fact, Jesus' disciples struggled with them. What I love about the gospel accounts is that they don't try to edit out the flaws of Jesus' followers. We get an honest account of them. And it's so encouraging to know that it's, it's not just us that struggle with these things. So we're going to look at two short passages from Mark's Gospel that show the dangers of comparison and self-promotion. And we're going to ask, how can we live in the opposite manner? So firstly, let's consider comparison. This is Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 35. Let me read it to you. They came to Capernaum when he was in the house, that's Jesus. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they'd argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and the servant of all. I love the disciples. They were walking with Jesus on the road towards Jerusalem, where Jesus will die for them. And he'll die for the world on the cross of Calvary in the most selfless, loving, sacrificial act of all time. And the disciples, well, they're arguing amongst themselves as to who is the greatest. <laughs> Jesus knows full well what they were arguing about, but he asked them. And the disciples, like sort of naughty little school children, they just keep quiet 
I imagine they couldn't even look Jesus in the eye. And just before this passage in Mark chapter 9, if you remember, Jesus had taken Peter, James and John up the mountain with him where they witnessed his glorious transfiguration as the Son of God. Perhaps this meant that these three disciples now walked with that extra little bit of swag. And in comparison, the other nine disciples felt a bit jealous. And here we see some of the downfalls of negative comparison. Comparison can steal our joy. It can take the joy out of life. The disciples were arguing on the road. They weren't laughing together. And I'm sure you'll agree, whenever we've been scrolling on social media and we see other people posting about their success, if we let negative comparison set in, well, we tend never feel to, we never tend to feel great. Rather, your spirit can begin to drop and we can become critical. Secondly, comparison kills teamwork and unity. The disciples are arguing that they're bickering like children. Hardly the unified team committed to helping Jesus as he goes through the, the hardest mission of his life. And comparison can distract us from our destiny. If we get so caught up comparing ourselves with others, we can be tempted to veer from what we're called to do and to try and do what others are called to do. But we have to trust that God's specific plan for us is the best plan for us. As Oscar Wilde said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. And fourthly, of course, negative comparison. Well, it's just not Christ-like. We, we read this in verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be very last and the servant of all. Jesus modeled this perfectly. You see, the key test of whether we struggle with comparison or not is to ask ourselves this question. Do I find it difficult to celebrate and encourage others when they have success? If we do, then we may have an issue with negative comparison. When we compare ourselves with others, we can either feel superior or inferior and neither glorifies God. And this sort of comparison is usually rooted in our own insecurities. It doesn't matter what job or area of life we're talking about, from careers to parenting, to dating, to leisure time, to working out in the gym, to the clothes we wear or how much hair we might have, we can struggle with comparison. But trying to pull others down to try and make ourselves feel or look better it just doesn't work. It is far more fun to celebrate and encourage others. It's far more liberating, it's freeing to lift others up rather than to pull them down. It's a way to be, as Jesus said, a servant of all. So here's my first point. The antidote to negative comparison is celebrating others. We can be like the Apostle Barnabas, who was known as the son of encouragement. You can turn social media into a positive weapon of encouragement. And let's be honest, we could all do with a bit of that right now. Why don't we all try to write an encouragement 
on someone else's social media post at least once every day. It might be that they need that encouragement. And you will watch, just you'll see how much more joy you'll have as you do this. Now, we all encourage in different ways. So, for example, the, the Brits, right? If a British person says to you, hmm, not bad, that means, wow, you are completely awesome. And no matter how we encourage, remember that also, no matter how fantastic someone's life might appear on social media, they, like all of us, we're all fighting some private battle that no one else knows about. And let's remember that as Christians, we're all on the same team. Think of it a bit like, say, football. In a football team, if one person scores a goal, the whole team scores a goal and goes one nil up. You know, sometimes if uh, I'm on social media, uh, I can look at other pastors and think, oh, they're such a better preacher than I am. Or, oh, they seem to be so much better at praying than I am. Or, oh, they look so much cooler than I do. But then I sort of have to shake myself out of it and think, hold on a minute. If they win, I win. Because we're all part of the, the same team. We're all part of Jesus's church. We're different parts of the same team or family. And we all have different roles to play on that team. If everyone tried to be a striker, it would be a disaster. And just because you might feel that God hasn't used you as much as others maybe in the past, it doesn't mean he's not going to use you in the future to do wonderful things. You know, recently we celebrated Pentecost and I loved the fact that it was Peter who preached to the crowds in Jerusalem on that first day of Pentecost. Peter, the same guy who just weeks before had denied even knowing Jesus. The same mouth that denied now declared that Jesus is the risen savior. So let's unleash a wave of encouragement on this nation. Our words have power. The antidote to comparison is celebrating and encouraging others. Now, the second temptation we see the disciples struggling with is that of self-promotion. Just in the very next chapter, this is Mark chapter 10 from verse 35, we read this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, that's Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I mean, talk about the wrong question. This is Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world. And they're saying, we want you to do what we ask. Jesus very graciously says, well, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am, I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? 
not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The brothers James and John, clearly not having learned the lessons from the previous argument, they then prompt another one by trying to promote themselves with Jesus because they wanted status and recognition. Verse 37, we read this. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, Jesus is not against ambition. Remember, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you as well. But he's saying our motives, our priorities lying behind our ambition must be right and they must guide our hard work and ambition. But desiring status and recognition for our own sake is not a good thing. So why do we sometimes desire status or recognition? Well, I think as Christians, you know, we're often called to sacrifice or to let things go. And this can mean that sometimes we feel like somehow we deserve a bit more from God because surely haven't we given up enough already? We can oddly feel like because we've given stuff up or made sacrifices to follow Jesus, that somehow God owes us something. James and John, they'd given up their family business, leaving their father, their nets in the family fishing boat and following Jesus. Maybe you've given things up for Jesus in the past. You know, whenever I'm tempted to fall into this way of thinking, Sarah very tactfully reminds me that if we got what we really deserved, then that would be hell. But Jesus died not just for us, but instead of us, so that you and I, we don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get forgiveness and eternal life, that which we don't deserve. Grace means that we already have abundant riches in Christ. God has outgiven us in all things. So let grace drive us to holiness rather than self-promotion. As Charles Spurgeon once said, grace is the mother of holiness and not the apologist of sin. I think sometimes also we want status or recognition to try and impress our families. You know, sometimes, particularly if we're the first or only Christian in our family, we want to gain status or success to impress our family and to show them the blessings of being a Christian. In Matthew's gospel account of this same uh, event with James and John and Jesus, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, Matthew adds in that James and John's mother was with them when they were pleading with Jesus. She too gets on the ground and just begs Jesus, please give my boys a promotion. In other words, they had a tiger mum as well. But, you know, Jesus doesn't need us to try to do his PR for him through our earthly successes. Rather, we impress through our character as it's molded by his Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is more compelling than the fruit of promotion. And then sometimes it's just our own fallen competitive streak, which means we, we want to try and 
get promoted over and above others to be the best. But again, we see this as bad for unity and teamwork. In verse 41, it says, when the 10, that's the other 10 disciples, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. So Jesus in verse 42, seizes this argument as a collective leadership development opportunity for his, his disciples. And he sits them down. He says, look, this trying to get ahead of each other, this is what the Gentiles, uh, the pagans do. But he says, not so with you. Then he tells them another way to live. Verse 43 onwards, we read this. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says the better way is service and sacrifice. Serving, serving others takes great self-assurance, knowing who you are in Christ. Nothing to lose and nothing to prove. Just being sincere and full of integrity. Now, integrity doesn't mean being perfect. It means being honest, real, and authentic. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. Actually, the word sincere is, uh, literally means without hypocrisy. And as it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, ultimately, Jesus says, even he, the son of man, using a messianic term for himself, even he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus had already said in Mark 8, that if anyone wants to follow him, they must deny themselves and take up their cross. So the second point is this, the antidote to promoting self is dying to self. Our fight is against the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can be in the world and not of it. You can cast off the devil, but you can't cast off the, the self. You can't. However, we can daily take up our cross and die to self. What does this look like? Well, for example, you could try praying the words of Paul in Galatians 2.20 every morning, in the mirror, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And we can also watch what we post on social media. Perhaps every now and then, instead of posting a selfie, just turn the camera around and take a photo of someone else and post an encouragement about them. At the moment, social media is seen as a tool for cancel culture. Let's make it a tool for promotion culture, the promoting of others and ultimately of Jesus. And as we embrace this countercultural approach to life by dying to self, we glorify Jesus. As John the Baptist said of Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. Ultimately, we must be ready to be obedient and embrace the cost. 
Jesus asked James and John if they could drink the cup of sacrifice that he would drink. Now, not really knowing what he meant, they said, oh, we can. Well, thankfully, they did learn obedience. And eventually they, they did live like Christ. James, we know, eventually went and took the gospel to Syria. And he was eventually clubbed to death for his faith. John, well, he went on eventually to lead the church in Ephesus before eventually being beaten and then imprisoned on the island of Patmos, where God gave him his revelation. You know, just this past uh, few weeks, I've had the opportunity to chat a bit with an outstanding young man from the Philippines called Jason. He worked in a bank in in Manila, but then he felt the Lord to call him to go and move with his young family to be a missionary to the rural mountainous region just outside of the city. These villages are are known as the center of occultic practices and where the drug barons basically rule. But Jason was given a passion, a calling to reach the young people for Jesus in that area. So he started off by moving there and running um, a youth alpha. He, He ran it outside at the beginning of 2020 and on that first Alpha, just seven teenagers turned up. But he said, Lord, this is who you sent me. Let's go. So they ran Alpha and those seven came to faith in Jesus. So we began investing in those young leaders to walk every day, up to two or three hours at a time, to go to the churches in the surrounding villages and help them run Alpha. Partway through last year, Jason caught COVID, uh, but then he recovered and and he continued. And between them, they ran 66 alpha courses in those mountainous villages. They reached 1,500 people for Christ. It was amazing. This thing was growing so much that the witch doctors began to give Jason death threats, but he wasn't afraid. He pressed on. And then eventually, uh, such was the transformation beginning to happen that the local council asked Jason if he would help sort of reintegrate all of the drug surrendees that uh, they had in that area, about 5,600 of them, help them reintegrate into society by running the Alpha program for them. How, how is he going to do that? Well, he's now raised up not seven, but 53 young leaders to help him do this. He's, on top of this, his target this year is to reach another 2,000 teenagers with the gospel by running Alpha. So far, he's reached 700. He daily dies to self. And in so doing, his life is one of fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Now, we don't all have to quit our jobs and move to the mountains to be fruitful for Jesus. Normally, he asks us to do it right wherever we are now. But it will always involve dying to self and cheering each other on, just as Jason cheered on those young leaders as they rose up. Who can you cheer on today? And together, as one team, we can see the evangelization of our nations, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Why don't we pray right now, wherever you are watching this, whenever you're watching this, this is a holy moment for you. You might want to put your hands out in front of you as if to say, Jesus, I, I want to receive this life that Mars has been talking about. I want you to come and help me to die to myself and not to compare myself with others, but to encourage them, to have that spirit of encouragement like Barnabas had. So just pray this simple prayer in your heart. Come, Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ. Would you come and fill my heart right now?